What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Evers, and today we have a good episode for you guys. We are talking with Nate Thomas and Michael Winstead from the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. On today's episode, it's more of a BS session with those guys, getting to know them. We talk about how we got our podcast off the ground and a little bit of the background in behind that. We also get into what makes Missouri special, the diverse opportunities that you can experience and the hunting opportunities that you can experience here in Missouri. We talk with the guys about summer preparation, getting ready for the upcoming whitetail hunting season. We talk about coyote hunting. We talk about western hunting. We talk about a little bit of it all. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode because I I am sure that this won't be our last episode with these guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Rack Daddy Minerals. Right now, you can go to rackdaddyminerals.com, get you some minerals, get you some attractants, put it in your cart, head over to the checkout, type in 573, you'll get a 10% discount on all Rack Daddy Mineral products. Not only does he sell minerals, he does sell attractants too. And as we get closer to getting in those mock scrapes and getting those mineral sites set up for the deer season, now's the time. So go ahead and take advantage of that discount, support a local Missouri business, and give them what they want. Now let's get into the episode. sitting down here on the phone with Nate Thomas and Michael Winstead with Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Fellas, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. I'm excited. You know, ever since I got I got on your guys' podcast in uh, spring of 2021, I was hoping that you guys would come on ours. And uh, so I'm excited to have you here. Finally made it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but there's really not a strong way to start a podcast. I struggle with it all the time. It's just for me, I'm I'm cool with just talking to people, but forced conversation. It seem it's not forced in a way we want to have this conversation, but at the same time, it's like to get that ball rolling. You yeah. know, and I know you are always giving Mike a shit about starting the podcast, so I had to bring that yep. up. <laughs> yeah, oh, because yeah. I was doing I was doing just fine, and then he decided he wanted to take over. I don't even know how I don't. Dude, that was so long ago. I don't <laughs> remember what got brought up or how that came about. But but yeah, you you are right. It's just something. I mean, because we've talked for probably ten fifteen minutes before we even started recording, and conversation just flowed easy. But now, once you start recording, hit you hit that button, everything changes a little bit until. You know, the, you grease the wheel a little bit and get things going. Definitely, definitely. You spit on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me get this straight. You guys are brothers-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah. Me, I'm married to his little sister. And then Andy, who couldn't make it to the show tonight, uh, he is cousins to Nathan's wife. wife. So, get that straight? Yeah. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it makes sense. It's a family affair. So if you th- if you think about it from the three of us standpoint, I'm an in-law to both of them. 
Yeah. So I'm like the common thread between like Andy and Micah. I'm the, you know what I'm saying? Like Andy's a cousin-in-law technically to me, and then Micah's my brother-in-law. Yeah, like I would have yeah. never met Andy if it wasn't for Nathan. Ah, uh, sure. Thing, so. Yeah. so you guys are just sitting down at Christmas, and you're like, you know what? Let's just do a podcast. Or, or how'd that get going? Oh, it start. Well, we talked about it long before we actually did it. Did it, but I mean, it all really came about with Nathan. He, I mean, he was on a podcast, and I'll, I'll let him tell the story, I guess. But well, you're yeah, doing so, just yeah. fine. Well, Na- okay. Nathan was on a podcast <laughs> for a deer he killed. Um, Pat, what year was that that you killed him? Two thousand and eighteen. Was it eighteen? Yep. You sure? I'm positive. Okay. So 2018. Don't, don't question me. It's, it's my story. <laughs> it's my story that I'm telling. <laughs> but he was on a – and uh, Dan Johnson, uh, owner of the Sportsman's Empire Network, uh, I think he just put out a deal asking, hey, who wants to come on the show, talk about deer or whatnot. And Nathan commented, and he got picked, and he kind of just stayed in touch. And Dan, he started wanting some start some other podcasts in different states and that sort of thing, and we just kind of went from there. So. Yeah. Been Ever, doing it for almost over two years. Yeah, over two years now. Ever since I was on his show about the deer, which, by the way, funny enough, the deer that I talked about on the show with Dan is our logo for our podcast. Yes, that, that's the same deer. That's awesome. So that's I don't know if you ever seen our logo, but the G one of the G ones looks kind of curly, and then he's got a crab claw on one side. That's because that's how that deer looks. So Micah's cousin is a graphic designer. He drew that for us. That was the deer that I was on Dan's show about, and ever since I was on that show, I had so much fun on that show with Dan that we had talked about starting a podcast, and I even talked to a few people. Um, I remember talking to Adam Keith with Landon Legacy back then about like what it would take, and he gave me some pointers, and I just we just never did it because we were nervous, like, you know, well, we got to spend money to start it, and would we even do good? Like all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Dan kind of stayed in contact with me Mm -hmm. and he just kind of encouraged us to try it out. And so we were like, screw it. Let's give it a shot. And we've, uh, we, we dropped our first episode on Memorial, actually on Memorial day in 2020. And we haven't missed a week since then. So it's been 116 straight weeks, I think. Um, of doing shows and we've had a freaking blast when we started it we said the only reason we'll ever quit this is if is if it stops being fun and so far that hasn't been the case yeah so right on. Uh, been a fun been a fun ride so far i think you know you guys are on the money that's kind of why i do the podcast too it's it's, it's for fun and uh, you get to talk to a lot of different hunters and people in the outdoors and all walks of life and you guys especially yeah. you guys are you're talking to a diverse group of people, and I'll just say this: your logo's badass. So you guys really did it right. Whenever uh, whoever did it for you for the graphic design, because they did it right. And um, you know, when it comes to doing a podcast, you're you're totally right on that too. It, it it can it be intimidating for sure. I mean, you know, like you said earlier, you know, just pressing record it just changes the whole conversation a little bit and you know as you get going it gets better it does and i mean think about this like you with you starting your podcast one of the 
one of the other cool things about starting our podcast is the amount of people we've met through it. You know, for instance, right. I would have, I wouldn't, none of us would know who Stephen Ebers are, is if we didn't have started our podcast because we, I, I don't do social media that much, so I wouldn't have paid attention. I would have never known who you are. I would have, we would have never met you. We've met so many cool people through this podcast that, you know, I think that's one of the biggest positives to starting it is you learn from a lot of different people that you've met and it's just, that's been, you know, a a huge blessing for us is we get to pick the brains of some really awesome hunters and outdoorsmen and women. And, you know, we wouldn't have done that otherwise. I just sat around and hunted and which is fun too. Yeah. That's fun too though. uh, Yes. So, you know, when you guys were in the works of, of getting this podcast going, you know, were you, did you want to just stick with the Missouri niche or did you kind of want to branch out? I know that you've had plenty of other guests on the, on the podcast that are not from Missouri, but what was your thoughts going into it? And did you have a structure for it? You'll be actually the first person to probably hear this. Uh, we actually regret our name. <laughs> Funny enough, right? Like looking back, we would have named ourselves something different, but at the time, um, the idea was, so when Dan was kind of doing the, the different, um, kind of talking to us about starting a show, he's like, you know, you should, it's a good, I think it's a good idea to, to base it around the state you live in. So then when we, when we started thinking about names, we thought about all kinds of freaking different names. Yeah, we had a bunch of dumb ones. Oh, and <laughs> and even, I'm not even even a fan of the name we have now, but. It's grown on me. It's It's grown, sure, but. um that's what we ended up coming up with was the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. And but, but I think, I mean, luckily enough with our show, a lot of it bleeds into other states, I guess you'd say. You, I mean, you can take some of the advice that we have from different guests and situations, and they pretty much go to any type of whitetail hunting state. Yeah. So And, and we do. I mean, we, we go out west every year. We're getting ready to go uh, the end of August, too. But uh, so we do have those people on that are you know strictly out west hunters yeah and uh, as far and fish i mean but the yeah so th- we cover a lot of range but our name does say just missouri words of water so that kind of that might hurt us a little bit yeah. but i mean it is what it is i think dan gave good advice and like your your name is a perfect example of it too you know the 573 i know what that means you know what that means right but somebody what in it Iowa does probably don't. is is it differentiates you and it it's sometimes people think it's a negative that you're calling yourself something where you are, right? Like the five, seven, three or Missouri woods and water. But really what it does is it, it differentiates you. It tells people, this is where these guys are. You don't have to wonder. I wonder where these guys are out of. Yeah. They are out of Missouri. Steven is out of the five, seven, three area code. I would highly assume. (laughs) Right. So, uh, that's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to, you know, I guess be true to where you're from and what you are. And let's be honest, we have passion for the state of Missouri and what it offers. So, yeah, we, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we, we try, talk, we talk a lot about Missouri and what it does have to offer. We, you know, have all kinds of different programs and that sort of thing. So we do cover a lot of that in our show too. Yeah. I know you do. But that's kind of a little, little snapshot about how we uh, came up with our name. Cause dude, for, I bet for like three weeks, we could not freaking think no. of something. We're like, 
just all kinds of dumb names that we came up with that looking back we're like that'd have been hilarious if we would have went with that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just uh it seems like everything's saturated nowadays. You know, you got everybody's playing on words, you know, you I don't even wanna, you know, throw out examples, but you know, everything just sounds really similar these days and and so I think what you guys got is unique, you know, especially because I'm from Missouri, you know, I think it's a pretty cool you guys are Missouri folks that are talking about woods, talking about water, you know. So it makes a lot of sense as to to having that name. And, you know, with the 573 as well, you know, it's it's a local thing. And, and I'm in the same boat as you guys. I'm like, man, maybe we could have made it more broader for everybody. But really it's just the people behind the name that matter at the end of the day. Yeah. The name actually doesn't matter, you know, like Dan taught us that pretty quickly. The name really doesn't matter. If you're putting out good content that people want to listen to, they're going to find you and they're going to listen to you no matter what state or wherever they live. So, and if you suck like us, (laughs) they're not going to. (laughs) Yeah. But, all right. So, you know, uh, love it whenever I lose my train of thought here. But, yeah, sorry. You, you just got a you just got a little snapshot, snapshot into the rabbit holes we like to take off into. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did we go into any rabbit holes when we had you on? I'm sure we did. I'm sure oh, we yeah. did. I can't. Yeah. It, it's been a while since uh since that happened, so I don't quite remember if we went down any rabbit holes or not. Goodness, where was I going with that? Her name. How that came about. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna put the reverse on you guys actually. That's what I was going to do. You guys always ask your guests, you know, what it is that you like about Missouri and outdoors and what your favorite aspects of it are. I'm curious to know each of your guys' answers on that. You want to go ahead? Okay. Well, it's kind of a generic answer because we get that answer a lot when we ask the question. But what I love about our state is our state is like four different states in one. You've got the – the Iowa type um, landscape up north that turns into beautiful rolling hills even further up north. I mean, not further up north, but so- south of that, but still way uh, north of I seventy. Yeah, beautiful rolling hills. You've got vast farm grounds in the central part of the state. Southeast Missouri is its own thing, and then the southwest part of the state, you've got the Ozark Mountains. I just, I think it's. Our state is so diverse that you can be in one part of the state and there's someone else in the other part, and those are two different hunters. They're two different outdoorsmen. They're two different everything, yet they live two hours apart from each other maybe. I just think that's what's cool about our state. Heck yeah. Yeah, and kind of, yeah, just piggybacking off of that, I feel the same way. I mean, it's just our state offers so much. That, I mean, we – people that live here they're truly blessed and the fact that if they wanted to make the drive they could go down float a river for a few hours and then they could head north for a few hours and probably go quail hunting or something like that you know you don't you don't get those in a lot of different states i think some of the coolest aspects about our state here in the most recent are the uh the black bear seasons opening and the elk seasons opening that's just been something that yeah i never even knew was going to be possible and now we're able to hunt yeah, and we, I mean, we have trophy whitetail and elk and, and bears. bears. Yeah. And, I mean, and beautiful turkey. I mean, I, I know the turkey population is a hot topic right now for everywhere, especially our state, but I just, I mean, it's really, it's really damn cool. Are any of us in this, this show probably ever going to get to hunt an elk in our state? Probably not. 
but it's pretty cool that there's the chance now, you know. Uh, and I just think that Missouri is a, uh, in my opinion, forgotten about a lot when it comes to the outdoors and how awesome it really is. And I guess I'm okay with that, but um, <laughs> Some, we know we know how awesome our state is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, this would probably be a good time to to drop it out. And uh, our co-host Travis Owen, he actually drew this year for Black Bear. So, oh, did he? Yeah, awesome. he's gonna he's gonna go down there. Um, I think he drew for Zone One, and so we're we're pretty excited about that. We may try to get down there and film that. We're still working yeah. on the details of it, but I figured since we're on the subject, we might as well let our audience know that somebody's yeah. gonna be black bear hunting. And last year, we knew somebody that had uh, drew a black bear tag, so I went down there with him and tried to chase after some black bear but that was uh that was a whole new experience let me tell you humbling too because you can't bait you know here and so it's like how the hell do you find a a bear uh, without you know baiting i don't know how to hunt a bear other than that yeah i mean to be honest i haven't even put in for the bear tag yet i have been putting in for the elk every year but i haven't even considered putting in for the bear yet just mainly because i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) i I really would i wouldn't know where to start what do i do with my hands you know what uh so what part of the state is zone one is that southwest area yes yeah it's actually the biggest zone and so well i say that but zone three is pretty big but the bear population isn't as um you know condensed probably yeah right I think zone one's one of the the better zones if you're picking between the three. And I don't think anyone met the quota last year in each zone, but bears did hit the ground. So they're out there. We definitely didn't find any, (laughs) but we didn't know what we were doing either. So hopefully now that we've got a little bit of experience behind us, we can start to make a game plan a little earlier on. We kind of just went in blind and went for it because we weren't expecting anybody to draw but you know hey the experience in itself is pretty cool that we get that opportunity oh absolutely so uh is was it mostly public land that y'all were chasing them or did y'all have some access to some private we had some access to some private but we hunted public land because that pri i mean a bear's range it it just it's so much that you're hitting fence lines and you're not seeing any bears you just need to keep going so right yeah we actually um talked to the first female that ever has harvested a bear in the state of missouri and one of the first people mm-hmm. um she killed one last year i can't remember her name off the top of my head no um but it was a it was a kind of an interesting story too like she hunted it much like you would hunt a deer like it was just waiting all day you know type of deal and uh she she was actually our first f bomb on our show. Yeah, she she did drop the f bomb. Shot a fucking bear, man! <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was a good show, but uh, yeah, well, that's awesome that he drew it. Um, we we hope he uh, punches a tag. That's for sure. Yeah, a friend of our show, he actually drew one too. Uh, Bryce. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Bryce. Yeah, buddy of ours. So. How many people draw? Do they? There's yeah. quite a. It's a few hundred, ain't it? Like five hundred people or five hundred tags, something like that. I I don't know the specifics, but I know that they have a quota. So once the bears have met that quota, your hunt, your season's over. Whether right. you know they've been filled 
or whether you got one or not, or whether the season yeah, actually yeah. is ended by the dates. Hopefully, it's not like the Wisconsin wolf quota and it gets filled in like two uh, hours. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen last year, but I'm, I'm sure people nope. learned from last year, and so you know, they're yeah. probably gonna be a little bit more savvy this year. You would think, but hard yeah, to say. So. It's still yeah. a learning curve. You got it. I mean, down there, she had something going for her where she was able to wait. She knew there might be something coming through. You have to have some kind of confidence to sit yeah, there and wait on something. To, yeah. I think they knew there was bears there. Yeah, she had some access in that to area. Some private ground, and she was just hoping that one day it'd walk by her stand. I think, And she hunted quite a few days without yeah. seeing anything. I so. think she hunted like four straight days, just not a yeah nothing. 14 hours you know? out in the stand, something like that. I can't remember, but uh, she spent a lot of time. Out there. out there that's a just, grind just, yeah that's yeah. a grind <laughs> but i mean outside of, outside of the bear hunting in missouri i'm getting fired up about the deer hunting that we've got coming up here pretty soon the season's just around the corner and uh you know i'm, I'm getting ready to go are you guys preparing always always preparing Excited. trying to we actually uh we took was it thursday we're taking thursday off i don't know when this yeah. is gonna come out exactly but me and Nathan, we're taking Thursday off, and we're going to be putting up some stands and getting a little bit of that prep out of the way That because we actually leave the uh, end of August for our elk hunt. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're always thinking about whitetail. Yep. I uh, I made a switch with broadheads this year, so that's cool. I just got them in the mail yesterday. Nice. And, uh, you know, we're not uh, – I don't know. Do you run trail cams throughout the summer and stuff? Uh, I do. This season, I've been slacking like no other. You know, got a new baby at home, and so I just haven't made it a priority like I usually do. Yeah. Got a few yeah. cameras out there, but yeah, no. Usually, I'm on the ball. Yeah. Well, we're. I guess we're. Eh, I'm, we have ours out, but you know, this summer has been for me at least, and and for definitely for Micah, as far as trail cam pictures go, probably the worst season I've ever seen, as far as bucks um but i honestly i don't care because this has been an unseasonably hot summer we haven't had well we finally got rain yesterday but we didn't have i mean like our crops looked like shit i mean it i think we're in drought type conditions before yesterday so i just i think that as hot as it's been is as dry as it's been i don't think there's a lot of whole a movement going on right now so not seeing a lot of bucks on camera doesn't really bother me uh but we finally started getting some pictures the other day, and that was kind of fun seeing some some antlers on deer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, got plenty of doe. I got plenty of doe. You got a you got a set of triplets. Yeah, yeah, I got a doe that has triplets, which never seen that before. So we found out that's kind of rare. So that that is pretty. Yeah. Pretty yeah. neat. Pretty neat deal. But yeah, so, yeah. kind of same thing. They're all three big old bucks. I someday. hope so. Yeah, someday. Hopefully they make it past uh, the next two years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Y'all have any target bucks that um, you guys have relocated, or you're waiting for to come back on? You're excited about this Not year? Not yet. Uh, reptile. Yeah. Same with him. As far as buck movement, I've gotten three different bucks on camera, and they each of them need at least two more years. So. Maybe one could probably go one more year before I get really interested in it. I'm not a huge I mean, I don't care what anybody shoots. If it makes you happy, 
go for it, but I, I'm kind of picky when it comes to my deer, which is kind of a down – that kind of sucks too because it, li- it limits you to a lot. And the property that I hunt, it's not very big. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping – I'm hoping I get it. I had a few last year that I know I'm, they made it till at least March when I pulled my cameras. They were still out there, but they haven't came back yet. So I'm, if they come back, uh, then then we'll have something to talk about for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I don't know how much people listen to our show that listen to you or how much you're listening to us, but um, I had a deer last year that I nicknamed Reptile. And, you know, I like to nickname my deer after Mortal Kombat characters. So... He was a deer I played cat and mouse with um, for about a week. The night he would be there, I wouldn't be there, and vice versa. So he disappeared beginning of um, October, October, no, November. I think October, actually. And I never saw him again, and I still have yet to see him. So I'm really hoping that I didn't see any post. I didn't see anybody that killed him. So I'm really hoping he made it through, and he's just chilling somewhere right now just because of the heat and stuff. Um, so he's a deer that I'm, you know, keeping my fingers crossed for. Um, got a new deer that showed up that is really exciting. <laughs> Never seen this deer oh, before it, in my life. It's a hell of a deer if he sticks around for sure. So uh, he got a name too, Raiden. That's another Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> you, when, can call, you can call him a douchebag. It's okay if hey, you want. <laughs> it's a, I'll tell you, I really enjoy nicknaming deer, but I suck at – the whole creativity gene so i just use i just use characters from a video game that's cool <laughs> yeah me too i i just describe the buck like and most of the time i'll get two mainframe eight pointers on the on the camera and i'm like well shit what do i do now see that's I'm what i'm trying to say eight pointer. <laughs> i do the, i do the exact same thing like oh that's a wide eight. Oh, that's the that's that's the crazy nine or you know just something i don't i don't come up with names it's yeah. just not my not my thing so I thoroughly enjoy it. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, he gets all about it. <laughs> hey, hey, keeps the story going, and people know exactly what buck you're talking about. Whenever you know you're yeah. chasing him, yeah. and uh, you get him finally. And uh, honestly, specifically for me, the reason we started nicknaming deer is I hunt a property with my, another brother-in-law of mine, and so when we're talking about deer that we see on trail cams, it's just a lot easier for me to say scorpion or reptile or whoever and he knows exactly what deer i'm talking about i know exactly what deer he's talking about there's no confusion on the wide nine or the the wide nine with the one kicker you know it's just a lot easier and then the other property i hunt um we all talk about it so i think it's just easier when i say reptile micah knows what deer i'm talking about i don't have to explain you know that freaking monster which i guess that'd be easy i mean that would (laughs) have cleared it up for me but so, I so just, are you guys I just, seeing the bucks uh, that you see in the summertime, usually in the fall? Because I don't get that lucky. I'll, I guess I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so, the, the the property I killed my buck on last year, you will see those deer all summer, um, probably like every other day, some of them every day. I mean, they're, they're there a lot. And then they will stick around – and when the rut kind of starts happening, you'll start seeing less. It's kind of weird. It's almost the opposite of what you want, what you want, <laughs> or I guess what you usually see in our state. When the rut hits, you start seeing less and less of them. And by the time the rut's over to the end of the season through winter, you won't see a 
antler deer on that property for four months. I mean, oh, this, they, they just move off. I think that has more to do with the does. They'll start moving off when they start getting pressured by, you know, rifle hunters. And uh, I think they kind of move off, so the bucks follow them. Um, uh, and there's just – in just for his property, it, he doesn't have the ability to hold them yeah, that much. Like, there's not much there for them. Once the crops come out, there's not much there for them to live off of. So they're probably right. – they're going somewhere else to find their, you know, daily food and that yeah. sort of thing. So Yeah, this property is, you know – well, it's it's a 40-acre farm, but it's it's maybe 15 acres that I'm hunting. So it's not like it's a huge place where I can – you know, control what's going on there a lot. Um, right. So it's just, it's kind of weird. So some of those deer will, will kind of just taper off and disappear. Um, last year was kind of a interesting year because the deer I killed, he actually kind of disappeared when all the, the bucks went hard horned. I knew who he was and he was definitely a, a hit lister, but then he was gone. And then first week of November back and he was back every damn day and that got him killed but you know so that farm the other farm i don't even want to try to explain that one it's just a big giant open field that i'm hunting ditches and so they're never going to live there that farm is a beautiful rut farm i mean that that's like the prototypical hunt ditches hunt the creek you're going to get movement because they're using those areas as uh, highways essentially during the rut mm-hmm. but early season to the rut it's really hard to get something killed with a bow there um i've done it once but that was that was hard yeah well it's cool though that you have a couple different spots that you know you can kind of put a little more pressure on one spot in the early season and then move over into the rut time into that other spot where you can uh, capitalize on the buck moving in that area too so that kind of is a nice thing you just got to find you a late season spot now yeah that'd be great honestly none of us really have any uh, first off we don't have any room to complain because we all have access to private ground yeah and private ground is really hard to find now oh yeah obviously you know uh it's maybe not the best private ground in the world as far as you know we're not talking about a thousand acres of you know jury farm or whatever where we have that's that's not what we got but it's a blessing to be able to even hunt 15 acres and manage it the way you would potentially like to and try to do things. Um, you know, there's a lot of our listeners that are straight up public land hunters and they're some killers, man, because that's that's a totally different type of hard. Um I'm not saying private ground's easy because I'm sitting here hunting fifteen acres that's pressured all around it. That's no easier than some of the pressured public. But it's a it's different, different part, it's a different yeah. feeling, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so we'll, I'll never complain about having some cool spots that um, I love to be at. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Micah? Uh, is, is that the similar theme for you is that your uh, target bucks uh, kind of show up no, well, in the summer? I, I started – I got permission to this property probably three years ago. Last year was the first time I really stepped up my game as far as trail cameras go. And I found that uh, I had – I had three potential shooters last year, and for the majority, they would come and go periodically. They weren't staying on the farm, and 
and just to clarify, it's not a very big piece either. It's uh, it's 60 acres, but then half of it is an alfalfa field, and the rest is timber, and it it's connected to a really big chunk of timber. So they got plenty of places to go, um, but they were they were coming to my property every once in a while. I just couldn't connect for whatever reason, and then I felt like once it got later in the season, they would still continue to come even more more so so i mean this year it's been different like we said i i would have already I think you've got like one picture of a singular buck haven't you i've had three i've had three go. separate bucks so far which is kind of odd um but uh you know so we'll just see what this year brings you know i'm it's still early you know it's july so i'm not nervous or anything yet because like i have i have plenty of dough i have a few groups of does that stay there so and they've always stayed there. So if they if they're around, I know eventually something's going to walk through. It might just be later in the season than what I would expect to. Yeah, my friends probably think that I'm uh, keeping some secrets because every time they ask me anything showing up in your trail cameras, anything showing up, you know, I in the summertime I've really got nothing to tell them or show them, and then in the fall, you know, I start chasing after some bigger deer. And I think the way that my spots set up, that's just how it is. Is that some of these deer are summering somewhere else, and then in the fall they're coming on to me. Yeah, yeah. You're part of their right. fall pattern, yeah. whereas the, the first time the first farm I picked is more part of their summer pattern. You know, and I really do think that's a thing. You know, uh, we love I love talking to like deer biologists and scientists, I guess you'd call them, and especially watching like collared deer and their movements. You know, you can see uh, there's a lot of deer out there that have specific summer ranges and winter ranges or rut ranges, and sometimes they barely overlap. So, like, that's the that's the great thing about deer hunting, man. Even if you have cameras out and you think you know every deer there, the rut and even pre-rut and all that can change everything for you in a heartbeat. Your neighbor can change something for you. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of things that can go right. A lot of it's just pure luck, <laughs> I mean, when it comes yeah. down to it. My father-in-law um, was telling me a story about how he killed a buck in the early season, and basically what happened was is these bucks were summering on the neighbors, and then he would sit close to the fence line, to where in case they were passing through to hit some white oaks or something, he would be able to catch them. And he said one day that he was just getting up into his stand and this buck came running through, shaking his head, and I guess he was being attacked by a bunch of horse flies, and that's what ended up getting him killed. So you just never know when it's going to happen. So just being out there sometimes. I'm, I'm telling you, man, time in the stand. Time in the stand. That's what it takes sometimes is yeah. time in the stand. And I think Dan Johnson put it perfectly one time. Uh, him and I were talking. I don't even know if it was on a podcast or if we were just having a conversation. You just have to be on the property the same day that deer does, and he has to walk in front of you. I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as that. It's as simple yeah. as that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, can do all, you can do everything. You can plant as many food plots. You can make all the cover you want. But if they don't want to be there, they're not going to be there. Yeah. Is that basically what you guys are doing right now to, to prepare for the season, or are you guys waiting to, to plant those food plots later on here come August? I uh, I have a food plot going now. I started it. Uh, I, it was my spring, and uh, so I'm just keeping it going. It's a clover field or clover patch, whatever you want to call it. 
And then I also planted, um, like I was telling you earlier, the the landowner, he has, it's probably around 20 to 30 acres of alfalfa. And then it, if you start from the road, it goes alfalfa. And then he let me have, and I planted probably any anywhere from 50, or probably about 20 to 30 rows of corn. And then it goes into timber, and then that goes into that big timber. So he he let me plant the corn this year, and I also have my clover plot in there. So, and the deer, I mean, the does, they've been hitting the clover plot like crazy. The corn, I got it in probably a, about three weeks late. Yeah, three weeks late, which I drove, I was out there yesterday uh, putting out mineral. And uh, some of it's doing pretty good. I mean, deer are going to eat it. It's not going to be for harvest or anything like that, so it's doing good. So I expect, you know, to have some good late action with that. So, And yeah. it's it's uh, it's easy for me because I don't have any food plots because I always miss. <laughs> I just I never get to them in time. And uh, I've got two great spots that I could get one in. I just don't get it done. Uh, maybe this fall I'll do it, but I probably will maybe – let it come back around next spring. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Fall, fall is fall gets so busy in our lives, let alone the hunting, like then hunting starts. Right. And I want to do that. I got two Mm -hmm. boys in football. My daughter is starting high school softball this year. I don't know when the hell I'm going to get that done. So I probably just don't have any plots. You guys need to get, uh, what is his name? Dustin out there. Yeah. Yeah, and Micah is supposed to have had Dustin out to his yeah, spot. Yeah, I, I was going to have him come out, and mainly the temp because the timber I have it's a it was an old pasture. I'm assuming at one point, so the the majority of the trees out there are hedge and thorny locusts. So I want to get him out there at some point, mainly when I have the time and he has the time, and I know I'll be able to do the work that he's going to prescribe. Uh, but get him out there and just walk with me and, Hey, how many of these do I need to take out? Do I need to take out all of them? Do I need to do this? But yeah, it wouldn't hurt Nathan either to have him out there. No, it wouldn't put the food plot in or do whatever. But that uh, is a guy that you could sit down and listen to for hours on end. Yeah. He, he knows his stuff. stuff. I mean, you could throw a damn leaf in front of him and he'd be like, that's from a, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'd be like, how the hell you know? Like, he is just, he knows, and you can tell he has a passion for property. I guess you'd call it uh, management, you know, land management or, or just, you know, nature, I guess you'd call it. He He's super smart when it comes to that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and he's, uh, like, we, whenever we had him on a few weeks ago, and after the show, we brought up, and we put our, we threw our maps up on the big screen, and we were just going over maps, and the way that he can read a map and tell you what deer should be doing as far as, you know, uh, topo lines and all that. He's just a wealth of knowledge. And anybody that, you know, has that sort of question should definitely look him up and uh, give him a call. What's his first and last name? And then was it Habitat Works? Is that what his company's called? Yep, Habitat Works. His name's Dustin Williams. I'm sure Nathan could probably pull up his number, too, if you wanted Uh, that. Well, if if they want to get a hold of him, just tell him to get a hold of us. Yeah, uh, yeah, same what I like about Dustin is, you know, he's he's a hunter just like us, and he's hustling trying to, you know, make a name for himself in this industry. And, uh, you know, he's one of the good ones. So, yeah, if, if anybody's looking for it, give him a holler. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I probably will be in the off season because, you know, I've got a few setups that 
I'd love Dustin for to come out and see and and hear what he's got to say about it. So I don't know what he's got to offer as far as just even reading the maps or or coming out and looking at a place. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely have to reach out to him too. If you give him a holler and mention our name, he'll charge you a thirty percent extra. So that's a nice deal. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a really good deal. <laughs> Good selling point, guys. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, if you do mention your name, you get 15% off. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, mention, just, he's super smart. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. So, sure. on, on top of the deer hunting, you guys are big into coyote hunting, and I, I think that's really cool is you guys, you know, it's kind of unique. You don't see a lot of guys that are big whitetail guys out shooting coyotes. So, I'd love to hear more about, like, what kind of started this hobby. All right. So uh, we kind of lost the guys um, for whatever reason, technical difficulties. So we're going to try something a little different. The audio may sound a little different. But I was just asking you guys, you know, what made you guys get into the coyote hunting hobby and how uh, long have we've you guys probably, been doing We've really that? been picking up on our coyote hunting probably the last two years, I'd say. Two to three years we kind of really got into it. And mainly it was just because it was, it was something else to do. You know, once – you know, obviously, you know, January was it 15th, the season ends for deer. You, me personally, I haven't gotten all the hunting out of my system yet. So I, I needed something to go chase after and uh coyote hunting was there. And, uh, I mean, we do it, you know, to help farmers out too, or mainly we do it for ourselves just because it's a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, it's got a lot of benefits uh in that as well just you know trying to save a few fawns and a few calves or whatever the case may be so and it's it's totally different than deer hunting well it's just so it is it is about as opposite from deer hunting as you can really get in my opinion so it's just a nice switch you know when the winter hits we we do hunt them in the summers um i quit a while ago because i ain't dealing with as hot as it's been and it's but uh, I would go again. It's just, man, just not the right time whenever I have the free time. However, in the wintertime, when you really start to hunt them, it's just different. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it doesn't seem like you quit all that long ago. I know you guys were hunting them pretty hard up until here recently. So you guys get after it. Yeah. Are you guys? Yeah, Austin, yeah our buddy Austin and Andy, um, obviously, if you listen to the show, you know who Andy is. Mm-hmm. But uh, they – something bit them a while back and it just seems like that's all they want to do is hunt coyotes and so more power to them i've i've been out a handful of times in the summer me and nathan were trying to make it an annual deal where we go up i got some friends that own a bunch of land up north and we try to go up there every year for our birthday and you know put some dogs down just to get out there but uh, andy and austin they are kind of the I don't know what you want to call them, but like they're the hardcore, hardcore guys when it comes to the coyote hunting. Once it hits winter time, that's when I'm really focused on it, and that's when I want to go do it the most. But uh, I'll still get out there here and there during the summer. Right on, right on. Yeah, no. Uh, the thing that I like about it is these. I think these new rules that Missouri's got in place, where you can hunt with at nighttime with thermals. That seems to be pretty sweet deal. You, you see all those videos on social media of guys just shooting them in the middle of the night with thermals. Are you guys getting into that too? Dude, it's fun as shit. It, it's it's amazing. I, I don't even know. I mean, it's it's one of the coolest things ever. And 
I mean, I I can. It it reminds me of a lot of like playing a video game, kind of, because you're watching everything through a screen. So everything's on a screen, and you're just you can see the coyote and the way that they work, and you can watch them a lot longer and pay attention to what they're doing, and it, it's just amazing to do. And uh, but yeah, once you get one coming in hard, and it, it's just it, it's it's a lot of fun. And I would like as different as coyote hunting is to deer hunting. Hunting daytime coyotes and hunting with thermals is that much different in a, in and of itself. So it's like watching a football game and then a rugby game. <laughs> yeah, they're related, but they're not really. Yeah. And because hunting them at night is so much more different than hunting them during the day. Now, I do think in our state as night hunting becomes, you know, this was the second year of night hunting in our state as far as using thermals and, and uh, artificial light. As that becomes older, I think it's going to get a little harder because dogs are going to get smarter. But, you know, these first few years, you'll see things, coyotes, coyotes will do things at night that they, they would not do in the daytime. I mean, it's like they throw caution to the wind. And just come right in, run right at you at times, not all the time, but sometimes they'll still circle you and beat you and all that stuff. But, uh, it is, it's just, it's fun. Plus it's at nighttime. So the wife and kids are in bed. They don't know you're gone. Like you're not, you're not like having to ask for the, Hey, can I leave for the day? You're not, they don't care. You're not missing that basketball game or football game or anything. You can do it. I mean, I think every time we started, we probably didn't start till you know, 10 o'clock at night before you even go out to make your first set. So uh, it frees up time that you can spend with your family, and it doesn't eat into that. Yeah. So well, The only bad thing about thermals are they are not cheap. It, so It's really expensive to get into. Uh, you can find some cheaper ones out there, but, I mean, it's kind of one of those buy once, cry once scenarios i guess and i haven't even bought one yet i've been piggybacking off of our buddy russell he's got he's got two and he's gracious enough to let me borrow one whenever we go so but it it is expensive to get into but it is a lot of fun for sure well that's something that i definitely have gotten a lot more interest in since i've been listening to you guys and something that you know you guys talk about a lot you guys get different guests on to talk about coyote hunting and Really, it's the best of both worlds if you're a big coyote hunter or a big deer hunter or turkey hunter. You know, this is going to benefit your properties, I would imagine, pretty well because, A, you're putting hunting pressure on coyotes, so they might try to skirt that property, but also you're you're eliminating them off the landscape as best you can. I know they breed like crazy, but, you know, it's uh, it's beneficial in both ways. Oh, absolutely. And, and like we said, it's something different It's something different. you can, I mean, especially if you're talking about hunting them at night, you don't have to be as cautious. You kind of just walk in there, you find the highest point that you can with the best offer observation and you're staying there and you're scanning, you know, you, and then if you're talking about during the day, um, I mean, you can hit a lot of spots and you can clear a bunch of land. Hopefully, hopefully you're killing a dog every set, but it's not the case. Um, but I mean, you can do a lot of good in a day as far as clearing coyotes out. Sure. They're going to come back and, you know, they're going to fill those holes, but, uh, you, you might be helping something out for a little while. 
Well, we'll have to we'll have to talk later on. Maybe I can pick your brain about some of the optics and uh, maybe other equipment that I should be looking into getting if I want to get into this. Um, and just like any other, uh, just like any other hobby in the outdoors, it's not cheap either. Like you, <laughs> you can spend money, you know. And I, well, all of us have kind of done that. I mean, yeah. you know, because you you get into coyote hunting and you're like, this is fun. Then you go, oh man, I need a tripod. That's cool. Oh, I need a nice call. Oh, I need a better rifle. I need better optics. Oh, I want to go thermal hunting. I want to do this. And then you need another gun for your thermal. Right. Then, like you know, it, a lot, it's just a, it's just like anything. I mean, people have their hobbies. You could say the th- same thing that somebody, our, our Pat, our buddy Pat. He's been on the show a handful of times. He's huge into bowling. You never would have think it, but he. I think he said he has over 30 different bowling balls or something like that, you know? Oh. So it just depends on who, what you want to put your money and your time into us. We really enjoy hunting, not just coyotes, but obviously deer and everything too. So we put our money into that. Yeah. And so you just got to pick your poison, I guess. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of picking and poison, uh, that brings me into my next subject, which is probably a, a different, hobby inside of hunting and that's western hunting you guys have mentioned a a couple of times that you're going out west here pretty soon Uh, i think you said at the end of august where are you going to chase and uh, where are you headed going to chase the timber ghost yep we will be aka elk (laughs) yep going after some of those rocky mountain elk we've been chasing them this will be my fifth year Fifth know. year, I believe. I believe it's his sixth. And the group that we've been going with, they've been going for a long time. I mean, the oldest guy, he's been going 20-plus years. I want to say 24, 25. And then, you know, we got Andy. But we've been doing it every year, and we're going to – we go to Colorado. Uh, we've we've recently <laughs> learned that, you know, if you want to hunt other states, you should have been putting in for points a long time ago. So we're kind of behind the ball when it comes to that but we are starting to build points in certain areas and uh we're starting to build points in colorado as well just to uh you know upper chances as far as getting in a better unit down the road but right now we're hunting over the counter public land anybody can do it uh sort of thing so hopefully it happens that's awesome yeah uh going with a guy that has 20 to 25 years of experience has got to be beneficial just for some guys from missouri that probably don't have a lot of experience hunting elk anyways just to go out there and figure it out none i mean we we had zero experience when we started yeah so yeah uh, andy's dad roger is who started this whole trip basically um he he did it years ago with a friend of his who no longer goes and then it morphed into a family thing and now it's you know all of us but you know, he's been going for years, and, you know, he can tell story after story after story. And you listen to those stories, and you try to use some of the stuff he's heard. Um, now, not every year have they gone out bow hunting. They, back in the day, they used to go rifle season. And he would tell us stories about five-foot deep snow and the horses getting stuck and, you know, just different stuff. And they used to take horses out there. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, we're doing it a little differently than that back then but it'll humble you quick i mean you can think you're a good hunter but you you're not (laughs) until you like you you learn something new and you're like wow i am 
I've got a lot to learn, yeah. you know. I mean, elk, elk and deer, I know they're in the same family, I guess you'd call it. I don't even consider them similar species to hunt. They they're they're so different and the only thing they do about the same is they they don't like smelling you, neither of them. So, it's yeah. about the only thing I can make a correlation between the two animals and they have antlers. There you go. Yeah, your standards drop a whole bunch, you know. I know when I was going into Wyoming, a couple of years back to hunt elk, you know, I'm like, yeah, I want to give me a six by six, six elk. And then you finally get into camp and, uh, you realize that, you know, you got to figure out how to find them before you figure out which one you're going to pick out and shoot. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I ended up trying to sell for a cow at that point. So no, I, I, Same. yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Albert, uh, Nathan's father-in-law, uh, he, he was talking to me my first year I went out He's like, hey, so, you know, you're going to shoot whatever you see or sort of thing. And me, I guess I was being – I don't know if I was being cocky or what, but I was like, no, nah, man, I, I I might shoot a cow, you know, day four or something like that. Now, going out there and knowing what I know, I'm shooting a calf opening day. I don't care. I mean, they are so hard. No. So yeah. hard to hunt, so hard to find. Opening day, five minutes up the mountain. If a legal anything walks yeah. in front of me, it's dead. Yeah, I you know, mean, because you take for granted how hard it is, uh-huh. and then when you haven't killed something for like four straight years, I don't care what it is. If it's legal, it dies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've because uh, I mean, we neither of us have actually harvested one. We've been going out there for a few years now, like I said, and we've drawn. I've drawn my bow, I think, two or three times. So the and haven't even released an arrow. released an arrow. That's just drawing back, hoping something would happen. Um, but in uh, every year is so different than the last. We've had years where we go out there and you'll see an elk every day. You might not be able to get on it or whatnot, but you'll see something. And then we've had years where we haven't seen nothing, like not one elk. We've trekked tons of miles, putting in 12, 14-hour miles a day, not seeing anything. And that really gets to certain discouraging so like whenever i say if a calf is there on opening morning it's legal i'm shooting that calf i mean i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> gonna do it for sure no i no no uh reason to apologize on that because if if yeah. guys and gals out there are listening to this and haven't been out west it just you don't understand until you know until you've been out there and you've tried mm-hmm. it it really is a whole different animal yeah it's and it's a it's it's some of the most fun I've ever had, though. I mean, oh, it's it's, uh, it's awesome. It's a there's a lot of uh, I think uh, wired to hunt Mark Kenyon. He always says it's secondhand fun. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's hard. A lot of miles. You know, your feet get sore. You you get tired of walking up and down that mountain. But thinking back on it, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade any of it. It's a blast. Every year we go, we always have a good time. Even when we weren't seeing elk, it's still fun to get out there it's the most gorgeous country you're ever going to see so it's just it's a blessing to get out there and do what do it so yep. i know a few of the guys with the 573 here i think carter casey and nick they're headed out to colorado around the same time you guys are i don't know if you guys will be in the same units or whatnot but i'll be headed to wyoming to chase after a mule deer uh for the firearm season nice. in october so Sounds like we've got a uh, a fall full of western trips ahead of us. That's awesome, man. That's some gorgeous country up there too. Yeah, and 
someday I'd like to be there. I've been buying points the last two years to Wyoming and hoping they don't um, get rid of the points. Keep system. doing what I worried about them yeah. doing and getting rid of that point system and you know wasting my hundred dollars a year. But I'm worried that's going to happen. But we'll see. But so, um, did you draw a tag, or is that a guide type thing, or how how did that come about? Uh, did did draw a tag. I've been putting in points, and we are going to be doing DIY public land. Now we'll be going with a couple ex- more experienced people that have have been hunting in that area for for many years. So hopefully that helps out. So yeah, just just a lot to look forward to this fall between you know the western hunting, the deer hunting, and uh, picking up some new hobbies. But fellows, you know we've been at this for a while now, and it seems like technology is not on our side. So I figure we better wrap this up. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the conversation we have had here uh, tonight. It's been a good one. One of our one of our computers is about to blow up. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like if we go much you know further than another 15 minutes. I think something's going to happen to one of our computers because, yeah, we've we've had to deal with uh, the wrath of technology tonight. Um, whether and we still don't know if it is our our end or yours. Like we can't decide. Did <laughs> FaceTime just decide to suck for the evening, or did uh, my internet decide to suck? We don't know. So, you know, when you can't diagnose the problem, it's hard to continue to you know figure it out. But, well, we'll chalk it up. Hey, to a w. that's called perseverance. We'll chalk it up to a W that we made it this far. And uh, there you go. We'll we'll uh, we'll try to get get together again and do another podcast. I imagine we've got probably a lot more to talk about being in the same areas and and hunting the same things. You know, I'm proud to be from Missouri, and I I really appreciate what you guys have been putting out with the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. It really is a good representation of Missouri. And uh, even though that is not the only thing that you guys are, you know, it, it really is a been a Great podcast, and I've enjoyed talking to you guys tonight. Um, before we get off here, though, I'd love to uh, love to get you guys a plug and kind of where people can find you at. Yeah, and uh, I, we share the same sentiment. Uh, you know, we love the state of Missouri, too. Um, born, I was born and raised here. Mike has lived here most of his life. And um, I would encourage people to uh, check out all the awesome outdoor content that our state actually offers. Uh, our state has our podcast, yours, several other podcasts that are available to listen to, um, Heartland Bow Hunters from right here in Missouri. Um, you know, there's some really awesome content out there that is right here in our home state. You don't even have to leave. But if you do want to subject yourself to pain and listen to our show, um, you can find us on any podcasting platform. Uh, just search Missouri Woods and Water on any of those platforms. You can also find us on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. You could search them on those platforms. Check us out on our Facebook, Missouri Woods and Water, and our Instagram is at Missouri Woods and Water as well. And uh, we try to do stuff on social media. We don't really love it, but um, we try to keep keep up with uh, folks and stay engaged with them. So, uh, like I said, we uh, really appreciate the listens and love having guys like you in our state that we can uh, do stuff like this with. Oh, yeah. Did I cover it, Micah? It covers, man. Right on. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Well, that's how we do it in the 573. Guys, we'll see you on the next one. All right, buddy. See you.